Praise Yahweh. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Y'all bow your head with me. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we come before you on your beautiful Sabbath day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you. This gift you've given us for rest, for worship, for fellowship, Father. We pray that for those people that are far away who have no one to fellowship with, we pray that you comfort them and give them some peace. We know that it's hard and we know that there are people who truly desire to be with your people who are not able to do so. And we pray that you just give them some comfort. And Father, we pray that you bless all the people here. I pray that you just use me to speak your words, Father, to get, get the message and the point across to people that need to hear it. And I praise you, we, th- we praise you, we thank you, and we love you in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how to be a true believer was, I was back and forth on the title, but I don't want it to come across as though I'm telling you all that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I really wanted to do was kind of probe into the next step of what it means to be a believer. So we're here on the Sabbath. You know, that's a big hurdle a lot of people have to overcome in their life and their walk. There's a lot of people watching online who this may be their first Sabbath, to which I say hallelujah. That's a very, very important first step. You know, we have things like the name. We got that down. We got the feast down. We got the clean foods down. We do the, we, you know, watch for the new moon. We do all of these things right. That's great. But there has to be more than that, right? I mean, surely we haven't reached the apex and we haven't figured it all out. I think we would all agree that to be true. Have you ever wondered why it seems like Yahweh's spirit seems to fade a little bit and pull back? Like why we have struggles seeing things like healing and miracles and I mean, I feel like, again, we're a pretty good group of people. What is it you believe in? There are obvious universal truths that we all recognize and adhere to. Things like, again, the Sabbath, Yahweh's name, clean foods, feasts, new moons. All of those things contribute to our faith and our belief. But in order to understand what it means to be a true believer, we have to establish what a believer is. And so the dictionary definition of believer is an adherent of a particular religion, someone with religious faith, the relationship into which Elohim invites believers. So that's a pretty cold technical definition of what it means to be a believer. You have faith in something, especially in a relationship that Yahweh invites you into. It is technically correct, but it's not an all-encompassing definition. 2 Corinthians gives us the answer to what it means to be a believer by describing what it means to be an unbeliever. Sometimes you have to look for the answer in the opposite direction. By telling you what it isn't, you figure out what it is. 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? The answer is right there. What partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? So lawlessness is what defines an unbeliever. So what defines a believer? Is it lawfulness? No. It's righteousness. Righteousness defines a true believer. Law-keeping is obviously part 
of being righteous. I mean, I think we would all agree with that. Like law keeping is it's a vital part of what we do here week to week, using the name, worshiping on the Sabbath, keeping the clean food laws. You know, the obedience to the word is part of righteousness. And the Pharisees prove this. In Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So the Pharisees were masters of the law. I mean, I think that was, even Yahshua recognized that. And law keeping is part of being righteous after all. However, we're told to be righteous, righteous beyond that of the Pharisees. Meaning beyond law-keeping. So beyond the Sabbath, beyond the name, beyond the calendar, the new moon, everything that we do here, we are to be righteous beyond that. This isn't a new thing. This is not some New Testament teaching. This isn't, Yahshua was just restating what had been stated many, many times in Scripture before. But humans, and Israelites in particular, need Constant reminding of what it means to be, to be a good, peculiar people. Let's read the chapter, the entire chapter of Isaiah 58. I think this is crucial to the next step that we as believers need to take. Isaiah chapter 58. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show thy people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their Elohim. They asked of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to Elohim. Wherefore have we fasted? Say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all of your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to Yahweh? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor, that thou thou art cast out of thy house, or cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover them, and that thou hide not thine, thine own flesh from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, And thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of Yahweh shall be thy reward. Then shall thou call, and Yahweh shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou shalt take away from the midst of ye the yoke, putting forth the finger, and speaking vanity. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light arise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And Yahweh shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose water waters fail not. 
And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairers of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath by doing thine own pleasure on mine holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight, a holy, the holy of Yahweh, honorable, and thou shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in Yahweh, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. There's a lot here. We actually, I believe, we used Isaiah 58 for kind of a motto for this assembly for years. I think it's on one of our seals somewhere. So after reading this, what is it that we see here? What's written here? When we pray to the Father and we ask for his blessings and the healing of our sick and our afflicted, why do we not see the lame walk? The blind see. It's hard to say, but I honestly feel like we've become numb to the fact that we don't see these things. I'm not saying they don't happen. But I am saying that they don't have to happen as often as they should. If we truly believe what is written in Scripture, and that by Messiah's stripes and bruises, as Brother Jason just saying, that we are healed, then why don't we see these things happening? I mean, I guess you could say that it's Yahweh's will to leave someone unhealed. Maybe. But I would say that that's the exception to the rule. Over in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Now as Yeshua passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Yeshua answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of Elohim should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, yes, it can indeed be Yahweh's will to hold off on providing a healing for somebody until the time is right to maximize the effect of that healing. I totally agree. It can happen. Yahshua just proved it. There are certain situations where healing can be held back to glorify the Father to the maximum extent. But, on the other hand, we also have scriptures like James 5.15. And the prayer of of faith will save the one who is sick, and Yahweh will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Isaiah 53, again, I love it when things coincide like this. They kind of mesh together. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 5. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by Elohim, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. By his wounds we are healed. So why don't we see these healings like this as often as I believe we should. When we anoint somebody, when the elders come together and anoint somebody, it should be a powerful thing. Faith should be bolstered in these times. 
Instead, a lot of times, it's just kind of a formality. You know, you just, all right, well, I want to be anointed. But when you walk up, do you truly expect to be healed? If you go up with an affliction, do you walk up there with the anticipation of you're going to walk back to your seat without that affliction? I don't think so. I think that's something that we see, sadly, a lot more we feel that a lot more than I think we should. And do not misunderstand. I believe this ministry does an awesome job with what we're given. But I think a lot of times we get caught up on being the best Sabbath keepers, namesayers, feast followers. And I think we tend to forget what it's all about. If we want our righteousness to truly exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes, then we have got to do more than what they were doing. Isaiah 58 is the next step, not just for this ministry, and for Yahweh's people here, but for all of his people everywhere. If we are not doing these things that's spoken of in Isaiah 58, we have a yoke around our necks. Our righteousness cannot be fully realized until we remove the toxins from within the body. You know, get the the log out of your own eye before you remove the speck from your brother's eye type of thing. As Isaiah 58 said, with the pointing finger and speaking wickedness, these things are yokes which quench the spirit. I think a lot of times we get caught up in our own bubble, and that's why we see or don't see the quenching of the spirit. And I'll touch more on that in a little bit. We have to love like Yahweh loves. If we are to be imitators of Yahweh and his son, then we ought to do as they do. Yahweh provides the needs for his people. We are the tool Yahweh uses to exact his plan. I think a lot of times we forget that we are Yahweh's people. We further his will on this earth. For example, do you really think, if, you, if somebody's cold and you say, Yahweh, Provide that man a coat. Do you really think he's just going to make a coat materialize on that man who is cold? Or do you think he's going to use one of his people to clothe him? Yahweh does these things through us, through his people. We have to be willing arrows, as Brother Javon says all the time. That's a very true statement. You have to be a willing arrow. You have to be be willing to be shot into the crowd to do the work. We have to be an instrument of Yahweh's love that shows the world just how loving and compassionate our Elohim is. Over in verse 8 of Isaiah 58, I want to go back and touch on this. Come on. There it goes. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of Yahweh shall be your rear guard, and you shall call, and Yahweh will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If we're busy arguing amongst ourselves about things that have no bearing on the kingdom, If we're busy doing that, I don't think, 
if we're busy arguing about these little petty things, instead of helping those in the body who need it, we are quenching the spirit. We have the law. We know the law. We do the law to the best of our ability, the best of our understanding. But this new commandment Yahshua gave us is still not fully absorbed, I don't believe. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Yahshua knew his people, Yahweh's people, could learn and keep the law of Yahweh. That's why he didn't tell us to follow. A new commandment I give you. Listen to what Yahweh says. That's, he, he took it to the next step. The keeping of the law has never really been the issue. When you're called and you realize Yahweh's word is truth, then keeping of the law is just second nature. However, giving of yourself is hard no matter where you're at in your walk. The issue has been how do we carry ourselves in a gentle and loving way after the law is established in your life. After you've accepted Yahweh's name, the Sabbath, the feast, all of these things, what do you do next? Over in 1 John chapter 2, Verses 3 through 6. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. So let me stop right there. By this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. So we know Yahweh. We follow his commandments. That is the prerequisite to knowing the Father. Is keeping his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of Elohim is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. Walk as he walked. Now what did Yahshua do? Obviously he kept, he kept the law perfectly. But what did he do? So we know that we know Yahweh by the observation of his law, and I believe that's foundational. I believe that's the first, I think that's, you have to get your foot in the door there before anything else can happen. I truly believe that. Beyond that, Yahshua walked perfectly in meekness, gentleness, and compassion. And we're to walk as he walked. Beyond the commandments, we're to walk in the love Yahshua showed Yahweh's people. When we're armed with the truth, sometimes I feel like, I know I have, especially working for the ministry where I'm, I have a kind of frontline access to people who are asking questions, and maybe they don't really want the answers, but they just want to cause trouble. And sometimes I find that we can use the truth to hurt the people we're instructed to save even if that's not really our intent to start with. I mean, we're human. No matter where we're at in this walk, we are human. We will all fall short of the glory. No matter where we're at in our walk, we will fall short. However, you know, I fought tooth and nail with these people in the world. And I've used the sword, or used the word like a sword, 
And at the end of discussion, I didn't gain a soul for the kingdom. I just added another casualty to the war. And it can't be that way. We have to use the word in kindness and love and gentleness when we go forth in Yahweh's name. So when we're discussing with the people in the world, you know, the truth, we have to do so gently. But beyond that, we have to learn that compassion that Yahshua had, that love to see our enemies like ourselves, and only then, I believe, will we see these answers that we seek. Compassion and encouragement is essential, just like we read in the Mishpachah. And this is especially true within the body. The body has to be healthy before it can go out and lift people up. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 through 22. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in Yahweh and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for both yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of Elohim and Messiah Yahshua for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all of these things. Hold fast to that what is good and abstain from every form of evil. This is how we become righteous beyond the law. This is how our righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. Over in James chapter 1, verse 27. Another powerful little verse to give you a key to what it means to be righteous beyond the Pharisees. Pure and undefiled religion before Elohim and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This isn't something new. This isn't some new teaching. But Yahweh's people have been, this body has been growing. I've been in this nearly my entire life, and I have never seen the body grow the way it has in the last several years. But I believe the body's in a desperate need of a spiritual awakening. And I say that because the world around us is getting, it is getting bad. Really, really bad. To the point where I don't know how much longer even the online broadcast will be allowed to go out. They've already stopped our ads on Google, like pushing the ministry out. It's, it's done. We're not allowed to do that anymore. They updated their policy. So the time is coming when we won't be able to do what we do the way we do it. And so what we need to do then is burn as brightly as we can in the time we've got. We get a taste of a spiritual awakening during the feasts. I believe it, it, it kind of there's an influx of the spirit, unleavened bread, trumpets, and tabernacles, and things like that. And I believe that to be true. But it shouldn't be reserved for the feast. It's supposed to be like that all the time, and even more so during the feast. 
I want to touch on a, a single verse here out of 1 Thessalonians here. In verse, uh, I believe it's verse 20. Just real quick. It just says, do not quench the spirit. Do you think anybody sits around here intentionally quenching the spirit? Oh, you know what? I don't want to see anything good happen. I'm just going to quench it. Nobody actually does that. Nobody has the intention to quench the spirit. It's an unintentional thing that happens. So what does it mean to quench the spirit? Back in Isaiah 58, we see in verses, verses 1 through 3, we see Yahweh explaining why he is not responding to the pleas of the people even after afflicting their souls. It says, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions. You seek, they, they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their Elohim. They ask for me, ask of me the ordinances of justice, and they take delight in approaching to Elohim. Wherefore have we fasted, they say. And now she's not. Don't you see us fasting? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and take and you and you don't notice we were afflicting ourselves here, Yahweh. Why aren't you seeing what we're seeing? Why aren't you seeing what we're doing here? Don't you see how hungry I am? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Israel saying things like, look, we have fasted. Why are you not giving us an answer that we're asking for? We're afflicting our souls, Yahweh. Look, look at us. Look at us. Please pay attention to us. How many times have you thought that? I know I've done it. I've been desperate for an answer. And I have fasted. And I have not gotten it. So why? I always assume it was just not Yahweh's time to give me an answer for something that I'm seeking. But Scripture seems to bear out another story entirely. This entire chapter of Isaiah 58 is a wake-up call for Yahweh's people. When I fast for my own reasons while ignoring the pleas of those around me in need, I'm quenching the Spirit. Verse 6 through 8, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the opposed, oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. When your light shall, then your light shall break forth like the morning. So, then your light. So what was given before that was a prerequisite to your light breaking forth. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. Then your light will break forth. Your healing, again, followed by what you need, pre, what you need to do before the healing is help those in need. Your healing will spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. When we come to Yahweh and all we bring is our obedience to the written law, we fast because we're told to or because we think we're supposed to, it's not enough. Israel proved that time and time again. How many days of atonement have there been since it was first ordained? Thousands, thousands. We observe it regularly, every single year. How many fasts, independent, free will offering fasts have there been? Millions. 
we as a body have to do more. If we want to invite Yahweh to dwell with us, we have to give him a reason to be here. Asking him to help is not enough. I mean, there's a saying, I don't know, I don't know who it's coined or taken by, who takes ownership of it, but there's a saying, be the change you want to see in the world. That is a very, very true statement in, in light of Scripture. When we not only follow the law as best we can, but we help Yahweh's people by being an extension of the Father himself by doing his will, in turn, we bring all glory back around to the Father. We clothe the naked in his name. We feed the hungry in his name. We help the fatherless and the widow in his name. Yahweh indeed provides for his people, with his people. And we are doing the will of the Father in true righteousness. Then as we stated in verse 8, the light, our light will break forth like the morning. And our healing shall spring forth speedily. We can't continue to operate in our own tiny bubble. If our light is going to shine forth like the dawn, we have to work on ourselves, on each other. And this is a challenge as it flies in the face of everything it means to be a worldly human. I mean, how many, times, how many times have you been to Walmart and they say, would you like to make a donation to XYZ? And you're like, hey, I'm feeling charitable. I'm going to make a donation. But when you really step back and take a look at it, they're taking your money and making a donation in their name, and then they get to write it off on their taxes. That's not charity. <laughs> That's not charity. That's just a way to save money for them. When we want to afflict our souls, as stated in verse 3, and we expect that it is the harm of ourselves that Yahweh notices, it's our hunger that he notices. You know, that's what we think. That's not the case. It's the help we give to those in need that pleases Yahweh. That's not to say a fast is bad, but a fast for the right reasons is important. Verses 4 through 5. Of Isaiah 8, again, 58 rather. Excuse me. There it is. In fact, the day of your fast you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. And I believe this is from the New King James, by the way. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate, and you strike, or, and to strike with a fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to Yahweh? Again, if we're fasting and praying for Yahweh to bless us while we refuse to bless those around us and bless others as Yahweh expects us to, then how can we possibly expect Yahweh to bless us? Our prayers and supplications fall on deaf ears, plain and simple. If we truly want healing in our, in our lives for our spouses, for our friends, and for our children, we have to do more. We're trying to get a few things going here at the ministry. It's hard to kind of start something from scratch. But I believe this is something, this is the next step that we need to take as a body, is to, is to just 
reach out and help those people who need us. If we want Yahweh to be at our back and for him to answer, here I am when we call out, we cannot continue the way we always have. The time is coming for Yahweh to intervene on behalf of his people. At the time of Yah- and Yahshua's return is growing ever closer, and the world is increasing in darkness by the hour. Wickedness and evil perversion is actively eating away at our nation and this world. I think the events in the news in the last week and a half is proof of that. They, the, justice, they, they, nobody wants justice. They want blood. They want blood. You disagree, they want blood, period. Our time is short, and we only have one opportunity in life to be a truly peculiar and set-apart people. We can't let laziness and pride be the reasons we don't see the inside of the kingdom. I mean, we're all here. You're halfway there already. Everybody in this room, has, and, and those watching online, they've come farther than most people do in their entire lives. The window of opportunity is closing, and we have to let our light shine as brightly as possible. And we need the glory of Yahweh to be our rear guard, as it states in Isaiah 58. We continually place this yoke of bondage back on ourselves, and then we complain because it's heavy. Isaiah 58 lays out beautifully how to follow what Yahshua said to be righteous beyond that of the Pharisees, to to have that righteousness. Yahweh's laid out his plan and explained what it means to perform a true fast. I would like to close with lyrics to a song. I think they are applicable to this. The song's called The Balance. I feel like it's applicable to this topic, and it covers man's realization of the Father and his perfect creation, and then realizing the realization of himself and the balance of all of these things. After he had journeyed and his feet were sore, he was tired. He came upon an orange grove and he rested, and he lay in the cool. And while he rested, he took to himself an orange and tasted it, and it was good. And he felt the earth through his spine, and he asked. And he saw the tree above him, and the stars, and the veins, and the leaf, and the light, and the balance. And he saw magnificent perfection, whereon he thought of himself in balance, and he knew he was. Just open your eyes and realize the way it's always been. Just open your mind, and you will find the way it's always been. Just open your heart, and that's a start. And he thought of those he angered, for he was not a violent man. And he thought of those he hurt, for he was not a cruel man. And he thought of those he frightened, for he was not an evil man. And he understood. He understood himself. Upon this, he saw that when he was of anger, or knew hurt, or felt fear, it was because he was not understanding. And he learned compassion. And with his eye of compassion, he saw his enemies like unto himself, and he learned love, then he was answered. To be a true believer, we have to walk as Messiah walked, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, help the fatherless and the widow, to work within the body for cohesion and unity. These are the only way we will see the healings and blessings promised in Scripture. 
We have to see our enemies like unto ourselves. We need that compassion for the needy to learn that true agape love, as Brother Ian talks about all the time. That agape love, we have to find it for ourselves and for those around us. Messiah's stripes were given for this reason. For the forgiveness of the body, for the healing of the body. This is something that happened long ago so we can take true advantage of what Yahweh's blessings are for his people. For healing, for salvation. We don't want to see them go to waste. This was something that happened one time in history. One place in the grand scheme of Yahweh, the grand picture. It happened once, and we have to take advantage of it. We have to use what he did for us. Otherwise, there's nothing. There's nothing. So I pray that we continue to grow. I pray that we continue to reach out, that we buckle down, that we try to do more, that we put ourselves out there both as a body and individuals. I've seen good works come out of this ministry before, and I know we can do more. I've seen wonderful things come out of this ministry. And all I want to see are your prayers answered, my prayers answered. If we follow what is written in Isaiah 58 and what is given from the Messiah, Yahweh, we will call and he will answer, here I am. He'll have no reason to hold back because we don't hold back. May Yahweh bless you.